0: This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier.
1: Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. Good Saturday morning. Waking you up here for another weekend. Ready to rock and roll as we move through the month of February. 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 It's what we do here on the program. (laughs) Welcome into it. 316-721-8255. Three one six seven two one. Talk on the maximum outdoor equipment hotlines. Would love to hear from you today. We have a lot to talk about. A lot of great guests coming on the program throughout the show today. Brenda Landwehr, state representative, coming on the show at nine thirty, bottom of the hour. We'll talk about the latest that she's been working on in the legislature. We've been trying. We have not had a repeat legislature on this program throughout the entire session, which I'm excited about. We have so many more that are going to come on. So we'll chat with Brenda coming up here in just a little bit. We have to recap in just a few minutes as well the wonderful speech, I guess that happened yesterday. We'll cover some of that next hour. Hour number two, Mariah Day. He's the executive director for the Kansas State Rifle Association. As you know, I'm on that board. We'll talk about the latest with the KSRA, some Second Amendment issues in the legislature, along with some other things that the KSRA is doing, how you can be part of that movement. Because as you know, the latest push now is, of course, the gun-grabbing policies. We need common-sense gun reform, especially after the shooting that happened in Kansas City earlier this week during the Super Bowl uh, parade for the Kansas City Chiefs, wrapping up the show next hour as well. We have Dalton Glasscock, Wichita City Council member. First time to get him on the show as a city councilman, so looking forward to that. So a loaded show today. Really happy to have all them on, and it's open lines to you right now at three one six seven two one eight two five five. I want to start off the program though with I don't know if you paid attention to the speech yesterday. I don't know why she was there, but she was there, and she of course made the news where she's trying to be the middle of the road individual. Isn't it nice? Governor Laura Kelly, the middle of the road, walking the middle line, reaching across the aisle, being the bipartisan individual, holding hands, singing kumbaya, and encouraging those evil, radical, nutjob, MAGA, conservative wackadoodles in the state legislature and in the state of Kansas to come back to the middle of the road and work together with her to try and get things done. Because, oh, it's been so partisan. Oh, it's been so divided. We are on both of our own 10-yard lines trying to you know battle for our agenda, and the radicals on the right side of the aisle continue to disrupt the process in Topeka and in Washington, D.C., and how we are the problem across the board if Republicans would only get on board with moderate agendas. That's... There you go. I essentially just summed up the entire speech for you. But if you didn't know, she actually spoke at the Landon Lecture at Kansas State University yesterday, talking about uh, partisanship and talking about ways to try and bring partisanship back together as she talks about how horrible it's been as governor for the past few years, realizing how difficult it's been to work with Republicans.
2: You know, though Senator Kassebaum was and still is a proud Republican, she became known for working across the aisle with her colleagues like when she teamed up with Ted Kennedy to pass a landmark health care privacy bill. A few years ago, Senator Kassebaum told me she was convinced she could not be elected today, precisely because of her willingness to work with the other party. It deeply concerns me that the brand of bipartisan politics practiced by Senator Kassebaum has eroded, and it should concern you too. Because these types of unlikely partnerships are essential in government to truly make a difference in people's lives. All
1: right, so this kind of says you know, Those this-
2: Senator us Cassidy-
1: oh, Hold on, there we go. Let's not repeat that again, shall we? So let's set the stage for this, shall we? From the Landon Lecture at Kansas State University from Governor Lori Kelly yesterday. We need to set a precedent here because we're going into an election season, obviously, for 2024. Democrats see an opportunity right now that they could actually do relatively well in this uh, election because of the shambles that the Republican Party is in currently right now. If you're not aware, the state Republican Party is not doing too well in the state of Kansas. Not to say that that means that we're it's a detriment for the election because it really comes down to you showing up to vote and choosing the right candidates in a primary. But the state Republican Party is in shambles. It's not hidden secrets although they're trying to make it hidden secrets, but we need to be aware of it to know our place and our duty in the election cycle compared to their duty, and their role in the election cycle. If you're not aware, the state Republican Party is actually in the negative in their fundulations. (laughs) During the convention that was held just a couple weeks ago, they tried to wrap that under the table during their annual meeting or one of their annual meetings, They tried to not even disclose their financial report, saying that the financial report was not ready for the entire delegation of the Republican Party and that they would, quote, send it out to everybody. And when pressed on it, they came to the admittance that we're in the red like $7,000. Now, that's a little bit different from when we last heard about this news last summer, when we were only in the green by like $6,000, when our new chairman of the state Republican Party had promised us by the end of the year of 2023 that we'd have like $2 million in the bank. bank account and we've gone from six thousand dollars in the black to now seven thousand dollars in the red at the beginning of an election season not the best start to an election cycle so democrats see an opportunity here at the same time governor laura kelly is setting up a stage during a heated election season to officially launch and make it more public publicly known at least of her new middle of the road pack now it sounds nice right again find the middle of the road sing kumbaya and she goes on later to talk about how media talk radio hosts so on and so forth are the ones that are driving this division this hate across the state and across the nation uh, for more partisanship in the country but at the same time if we even halfway pay attention to her policies all you got to do is look at her record and see that she is one of the most divisive partisan hacks that i've ever seen in topeka as governor which we'll get to in just a minute but this is the setting the stage for the launching of her middle of the road pack now what does that mean What it means is that Governor Laura Kelly is going to be sinking a buttload of money into races where solid conservative Republicans are in races running for reelection. And she wants to boot out the conservatives to put in the quote unquote middle of the road Republicans or Democrats either way. But they realize that the state of Kansas and the makeup of the state of Kansas is predominantly Republican. So it's going to be Republicans, but quote-unquote Republicans in name only. What she really wants in today's times, which is what we see both at a reflection of the federal level and at the statewide level, is that Republican to them means that you need to vote with Democrats but just have an R in front of your name. That you can't get elected with a D in front of your name, so you do it with an R, and then you just have them vote with Democrats and do Democrat values. Now, I am all for reaching across the aisle and working together. That's what you have to do. Obviously, you're not a purist. You can't get everything that you want. You obviously have to work with the other side of the aisle. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what Governor Kelly is talking about here. If that were the case, she would have been on the show in the however many years that she's been in office now, which she has not done. And you're more than welcome, Governor Lloyd Kelly, my invitation to you to come on this radio program and chat with me, as we are the number one local conservative talk show host in the city of Wichita, and we're one of the only conservative talk radio hosts in the entire state of Kansas. (laughs) So you're more than welcome to come on this program, reach across that aisle, and chat with someone that has a little bit different views on issues. And if you know anything about this program, I am totally open to anybody who opposes my views to lay out the platform for you to lay out the case for you and let you make your case on everything. We do not argue. We do not. We do not get angry. I don't. I will not put you on Mr. Hold button. I promise you. Come on this program and let's dialogue. Let me ask you questions about your policies. But I guarantee she won't do it. Hell, we won't even have some Republican members come on this program. It's been what, 12 years now that I've had a radio program in the city of Wichita, and U.S. Senator Jerry Moran has still not come on this program. So I'm very doubtful that Governor Laura Kelly will do the same, uh, because if we can't even get some members of our own Republican Party on here, then I have a hard time believing that uh, that someone else will from the other side of the aisle. I don't have it with me right now, but uh, I do like to play my little sounder of where in the world is Jerry Moran, because I'm still waiting for your, uh, to, for you to come and make an appearance on this program. As well. Nonetheless, this is not about working across the aisle. This is about putting individuals in that have an R in front of their name to appeal to Republican voters while voting for Democrat policies. And while we're open to compromise, while we're open to negotiation, while we're open to finding a middle ground, that's not what's happening here. That is not compromise in today's times. According to Democrats that we've seen both at the federal and at the statewide levels, compromise means you come to our side, and you do what we want. That's exactly what happened. Point in case, the most recent tax bill that's going on in the state of Kansas. Governor Kelly, during her State of the Union address, asked for tax cuts. She wanted tax cuts on Social Security recipients. She wanted tax cuts and tax breaks for individuals who are on maybe disability or something when it comes to their uh, their property taxes, and veterans, and so on and so forth. And guess what? The Republican legislature came together. They wrote all of that. They gave her everything she wanted with something they wanted, and she vetoed it. Why? Because, no, you can't have what you want in the bill. You can only have what I want in this bill. And now we're looking at overriding that veto. Where's the middle ground here? We gave you everything that you wanted. In good faith, if you wanted to work across the aisle, why would you not signed that bill that gave you every tax initiative that you wanted, going even further than what Republicans would have gone on some tax cuts like that, and then you vetoed it because, well, Republicans put something in there they didn't want as well, so therefore I can't do it. I'm going to veto it. She is such a hypocritical human being that it makes my face hurt because while she's talking about being middle of the road and how partisan things are, she is the most partisan hack I've ever seen in my entire life. In
2: 2004, there were 21 governors who represented states that voted for the other party for president 13 democratic governors in red states eight republican governors in blue states but in 2022 just 18 years later there was an only one democratic governor who won a state that went for Donald Trump in the previous election and you are looking at her yeah in evil 2004
1: repose. yeah i don't know why it's repeating here uh and so again The only part says she's the one working across the aisle. She's the one that was able to win over Donald Trump voters in a red state like the state of Kansas, which is not true, by the way. It reinforces the idea that we need a state electoral college system because she won with seven counties, the swing county being right here in Sedgwick County. So, hey, Republicans in Sedgwick County in this area, South Central Kansas, it's time for us to be aware what the hell's going on to make sure that that does not actually happen again. She continues, though.
2: Even worse you're seeing political parties proactively purge themselves of their moderate elected officials, the types who don't (laughs) always vote the party line, who may actually reach across the aisle to get something done. We saw that happen here in Kansas under one of my predecessors. In 2012, there was an active campaign waged within the Kansas Republican Party to defeat the more moderate Republicans in the legislature. It was successful for all of the reasons I've discussed here today, and it's done great harm to our ability to govern for Kansans. Just look at Medicaid expansion. If legislators would expand Medicaid, 150,000 more Kansans would have access to health insurance, and we could lower health care costs for everyone else, all at no additional expense to taxpayers. In 40 other states, including many red states, This is no longer a partisan issue. These states have gone ahead and expanded Medicaid. But in Kansas, it remains an ideological battle, in part because legislative leadership doesn't want to see a Democratic governor get a win.
1: Okay, man, the victim status right there. I tell you, it blows my mind how loony she can be sometimes it's unfortunate and i want to be able to work across the aisle here but all of this is complete garbage at what point did someone actually believe that expanding a medicaid program a government social program like medicaid was actually a compromise middle of the road thing to where only radical nut job republicans would be stopping that type of policy this is literally centralizing more socialized health care that's already been failure uh, major failure and, many states. and to her, again, this weird obsession that she has with Medicaid expansion uh, shows that the only way that you can be moderate is if you come to her side. The only way that you can work across the aisle, the only way that we can find a happy medium and find compromise together in the middle of the road is to come to her side. If she wanted to go sh- show sh- good faith, she should have signed the tax bill that just went to her desk a couple of weeks ago, but she didn't. And it shows how partisan she can be. And while there was a push for more conservatism, I have to ask you, and this is kind of on a little bit deeper level here, the more theoretical level, but which side ended up shifting further and further to the more extreme? Some could say, well, maybe both, Andy, but there's a constitutional level where we believe in the Constitution. And then there are those that continue to say more government, more government, more government, more government. So if you look at the political spectrum, conservatism hasn't changed. Conservatism stays the way it should have been. Limited government, free enterprise, individual sovereignty, freedom of speech, freedom to carry a firearm, freedom to express yourself, freedom to believe whatever religion that you want to, freedom to live your life however you want to. You have that right. Conservatism. Limited government, individual freedom, individual sovereignty. The other side of the aisle, well, we need more government here. We need more government there. We need more centralized power here. We need more centralized power here. We need to grow the public sector. We need to have more power over here. It seems like they're the ones that continue to move further and further and further and then blame us for becoming more and more radical and that we're not coming to the middle. The middle's shifting. The middle's shifting further to the left. So when we just say, no, 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 things were working, and working well beforehand, why are we changing things? Well, you're just a radical and you're unwilling to come to the middle. You're unwilling to shift yourself further to the left to come to the middle. I'm sorry. I thought I was just being conservative and being the way that things were supposed to be. I'm sorry. I thought we were just being traditionalist here. Come on the show. Governor Kelly, open invitation. Come on the program and let's talk about some of these ideas and let's find that happy medium ground, that happy middle ground on what works and what doesn't work for the people of the state of Kansas because I'm all for having that conversation but we're not going to just concede everything to give you what you want in terms of compromise and working together that's not the way that compromise works and that's something Democrats have kind of forgotten how things work moving forward it's Kansas Talk happy Saturday morning your thoughts on this when we come back stay here
2: 2018 and again in 2022, didn't attack me based on my record or really anything happening in Kansas. Instead, they ran ad after ad trying to convince Kansas that I'm actually Bernie Sanders in a wig (laughs) or Joe Biden in heels. I ran my campaign on issues the governor of Kansas actually has to deal with, balancing the budget, tax cuts, higher education, fixing the foster care system. It was as if my opponents and I were running for two very different offices. It's a strategy we're seeing more and more now. The campaign debates that voters hear are starting to sound the same, race after race, election after election, whether it's on the local, state, or federal level. These are the same issues they hear on cable news, on radio talk shows, and see on their social media.
1: There you go. That was Governor Lori Kelly. That was her at the Landon Lecture at Kansas State University yesterday for the uh, lunchtime. The uh, talk radio hosts, the national networks, the ones that are causing this. So apparently that Republicans are only winning because we're talking about national issues, not focusing on local issues around the area. That's at a time, by the way, when Republicans still have a supermajority in our state legislature right now, where the only thing that they can talk about is lower taxes, and they can talk about uh, programs that are happening in their own communities and working on things in their own communities. So just because she was able to beat two candidates, which, by the way, uh, one of them, honest, let's be honest, didn't campaign the best, didn't have the best campaign tactic on there. Yeah, okay, you know what? That's, you won. The other time, you won with seven counties. Both times, you really won with seven counties, the more populated areas. You said to hell with the rural communities. The hell with the people in the rural communities and in small towns and farming communities. No, no. I'm just going to win with the big populations in the cities that are predominantly more left anyways. Again, using the partisanship of what she does oh so well while claiming that there's too much partisanship and wants middle of the road. This is nothing more than the major launch of her middle of the road pact where she's going to target conservatives across the state of Kansas for big races, for local races, for statewide races. She's going to be focusing all of her attention on these. And... She's going to try and boot out as many conservatives as possible. What does that mean for us? That means we need to be on our A game going into election season. We need to be prepared for this because right now the state Republican Party is going to have very little help on this front. We're going to have to do it ourselves. We're going to have to be out there knocking doors. We're going to have to be making phone calls. We're going to have to be talking to individuals. And we're going to have to definitely show up to vote. We have three elections this year, so don't miss one because we have the uh, presidential preference primary coming up in March. So get ready for that one. Then we have our August primary. Then we have the November general election. So three major elections that we're all going to have to show up for. And Governor Laura Kelly is going to do everything she can to talk about how radical that the Republican Party is right now. And I ask you again, if Governor Kelly can be the middle of the road, then sign the damn tax bill. Stop vetoing everything that the Republicans come out with and saying how radical it is. Work together. Show that there's a sign of working across the aisle. But she still doesn't even walk the halls of Congress to talk to the legislators. She doesn't come on media outlets to talk about what she's doing unless she knows that it's a friendly, favorable media outlet to her. She's never come on these types of programs. Come on. Let's talk about it. It's open floor. I'm friendly. I'm a nice guy. People kind of like me for the most part. Let's have some fun. Let's talk about these issues. And let's ask why you want to promote Medicaid expansion when so few doctors accept Medicaid and it would put a backlog on all the patients that actually need it and, like, truly need it because they're, you know, disabled or something. And they actually need the care. And then you backlog it with a whole bunch of other people with crappy government-quality health care. Let's talk about that program. Let's talk about why we want to promote that and why you don't work across the aisle with Republicans but expect them to come to your aid and beck and call because you haven't been able to get anything done. State Representative Brenda Landwehr right around the corner will talk about some of this and more as we can continue on with your Saturday morning. It's Candace Talk right here Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here.
0: the show at 316-721-8255. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM.
1: Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. It is Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4. If you have that HD radio, you can listen to us on the FM side as well. Plus, we do have our friends out in Garden City, Kansas, KIUL broadcasting the program as well every single weekend. So welcome aboard out in western Kansas as well covering literally the entire southern half of the state of Kansas. And, of course, our podcast listeners and Facebook viewers all over the state. We have a lot of people up in Lawrence and Topeka and Shawnee County, Johnson County. We're just all over the place, man. So welcome aboard and so wonderful to have you with us here. Governor Laura Kelly speaking at the Landon Lecture at Kansas State University yesterday. She's a victim. She can't get Republicans to work with her. We need to We need to work across the aisle, a.k.a. do my bidding and pass Medicaid expansion is uh, was kind of the message that we got from her yesterday. In
2: 2004, there were 21 governors who represented states that voted for the other party for president. 13 Democratic governors in red states, eight Republican governors in blue states. But in 2022, just 18 years later, there was an only one Democratic governor who won a state that went for Donald Trump in the previous election. Hmm. and you are looking at her
1: interesting so there it is she is uh, obviously that means that people want a democrat governor to work across the aisle and get republicans get on board with her agenda to talk about some of that and more really happy to have back on the program been a little bit since we've had her on here in the wichita area excited to have on state representative brenda Landwehr. brenda good morning to you how are you today
3: well good morning andy and i'm doing fine and uh, thank you for having me
1: oh it's always so good to chat with you i love chatting Uh, Every time we get a chance to what a session it's been, but it it blows my mind that we have a governor saying that Republicans have been too radical. They're not working across the aisle. We need to have uh, not so much partisanship in the legislature. We need to be able to work together. You know, so she advocates for a tax cut. We create a tax cut bill. Then she vetoes the tax cut bill because even though she got everything she wanted, she didn't want Republicans to have what they wanted in the bill and then says that things are too partisan and it's all Republicans fault. Am I missing something here?
3: Well, no, you're not. And I think, you know, for her to talk about the partisanship, it's interesting how she convinces her party to vote as a block <laughs> on almost anything that we see as a good thing.
1: Pretty brutally, too. I mean, I've heard of some of the phone calls that uh, Marvin, um, uh, I can't remember his last name, that uh, Robin. Uh, Marvin Robinson. Thank you. I've, I've heard about some of the phone calls that she's made to him. On some of the votes, including some of the education stuff, where she was not too happy with him crossing the political aisle to vote with Republicans.
3: Well, and it wasn't just yeah, it wasn't just her, but yeah, we heard those calls were very brutal. But we also watched the actions of uh, Marvin's colleagues in the Democrat Party as they attacked him on the floor. And uh, you know, he's he's a man of of principle, and he believes that he's doing what's right for his district.
1: Yeah, it is unfortunate.
3: He's not, he's not cowtowing to the the uh, Democrat leadership, which is Laura Kelly on
1: down. Yeah, well, God bless him. And that should be a sign that if the Republicans are too extreme, yet Democrats are the ones coming on board with some Republican policies, doesn't that mean that the Republican policies are more mainstream and middle of the road than what the Democrat policies would be? Like To me, that would show that Democrats are willing to see the good opportunities of a Republican bill.
3: Well, it is, and Republicans want to make sure that we are doing what's in the best interest of all Kansans. We want to give them hand-ups, not handouts. outs yeah. uh, Democrats are more like, well, let me just, if I just give you everything, then you'll vote for me, and that will make things better. Well, giving them everything means that they're spending your hard-earned money. And right now, Andy, and you know this very well, people are struggling because of the economic policies of Biden And uh, it's really tough. You can't go anywhere without almost doubling what you spent a year ago.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, Inflation continues to be on the rise. And right now, correct me if I'm wrong, but the state of Kansas itself, the government is sitting on a buttload of money that we could be returning back to the people or lowering taxes a substantial amount to where we don't need that much sitting in a safety coffer.
3: Well, and that's the thing that the uh, the Republicans have tried to do in both the House and the Senate, and they came up with a very good uh, compromise plan. And uh, you know, every time we send her a tax plan, she vetoes it. so, it's either, it's her way or the highway, so there is no middle of the road for Laura Kelly.
1: Well, according to Democrats, this is both statewide and national, that that is their middle of the road. Their middle co- their middle of the road compromise, let's work together, means you come on board and do what we want, or else you're the radical unwilling to work together, and we see that uh, all across the board. So it, it's mind-blowing, and I really hope that people see through some of this garbage, because uh, this has been the trend of Democrats for a long time, and she's absolutely no different So with this tax bill, now that she's vetoed it, I know you guys have been working on getting prepared for this veto override. Uh, It sounds like it's going to be happening this coming up week. How confident are we? Are we going to see this actually go through this year?
3: Well, uh, you know, the House feels pretty confident that we do have the vote. I think that the uh, Senate has been working uh, diligently to try to get their override numbers, and we'll just have to see what happens on Tuesday, Andy.
1: Uh, I hope we can get it. I hope we can get it. We'll have to bring on some of the Senate and see which ones are the holdouts to put some pressure on to them. Uh, at the same time, she's still obsessed, fascinated with this Medicaid expansion. It's not going to happen. Dan Hawkins, obviously, the Speaker of the House, is not going to allow it to go through there. Senate President Ty Masterson not going to let it go through there. So Medicaid expansion is dead. Why is she so obsessed with this piece of legislation?
3: Well, because once again, it's another handout for people, Andy. Rather than coming in and trying to fix the current system we have that has some of the lowest reimbursement rates for our physicians, for our hospitals, for our nursing homes, uh, getting people off of the IDD, which is our uh, severely disabled list, or even our physically disabled list, it has been um, just unbelievable where she's taken this position. And I can tell you that you know, the House, with uh, the help of Representative Will Carpenter out of uh, El Dorado, he has been working the last year on the numbers to try to, you know, beef up the reimbursement rate so we can shore up our existing system so that we can fulfill the promises that we made to individuals that are currently on Medicaid, mm-hmm. to put able-bodied individuals, which is what medication or, Medicaid expansion does in Kansas is absolutely wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right now, it doesn't work for those that are on it. To try and include 150,000, 200,000 people like she wants to on it would just over bog down the system. We've talked about the number of do- the few doctors that actually accept Medicaid right now. So, there's already the waiting list. What would that do to them? And she always talks about trying to save these rural hospitals. But, Brenda, I don't know that this would actually do anything to help the rural hospitals, would it?
3: Well, it it doesn't save them because you may have a rural hospital that's got a two hundred or two two mil, even a two million or three million dollar debt, but they're not going to get that much in Medicaid expansion. Uh, what we have done on the and again led by Republicans, so the Republicans are leading the charge on taking care of the most vulnerable, is that last year we did a rural uh, hospital designation that we finally got the feds to pass. And uh, it has helped some of those hospitals out there. We've got a little bit more work to do because what we discovered the feds did not do was to grandfather in some of the facilities in rural Kansas or rural rural across the country uh, that had already right-sized themselves and gotten themselves in a position to be a better fit for their community and their population. So we're putting that fixed in, and we do have our – a uh, congressional delegation working on the Grandfathery Clause. So yeah. it's focusing in on what is truly going to benefit and help people versus just doing a handout. <laughs> you know, Andy, I was raised that a hand-up was better because then you can take care of yourself forever. If I teach you to fish versus giving you the fish, you're going to eat forever. Yeah.
1: No, absolutely. And that's
3: the philosophy that we need to get back to. The Democrats don't see that. And I don't know why they are not looking at because some of these Democrats uh, represent some of the poorest individuals in the state, and our tax plan would have an additional two hundred. There'd be two hundred ten thousand people in Kansas that would no longer pay taxes in Kansas.
1: What a concept! Fixing the issue, and yeah. actually making it better instead of just expanding it and throwing money at it and expecting it to fix itself, and then giving more relief to individuals that actually really need it what you i know the the radical right-wing conservatives that are actually trying to help individuals i know it's really hard for them to understand we're talking with state representative Mm -hmm. brenda Landwehr. at the same time the medicaid problem uh there's a lot of issues just with the eligibility right now i know after the covid pandemic we went from just accepting everybody into these programs because well it was covid to now actually being you know you have to get qualified and actually apply for them to get reinstated and so on and so forth and there's been kind of a rocky process for that to happen as well hasn't there
3: uh well there there has been some we knew that the unwinding because the federal government required us to keep everybody on except everybody as they came in and uh so the unwinding started out with some major hiccups but I think we've pretty much got that smoothed out good uh which will then get us back to more of our true numbers of helping the most vulnerable and the most needy yeah
1: That's good news. I know you focus a lot of time and attention Brenda, on, you know, some of the mental health issues. And we've talked about those before here in Sedgwick County. I know they're getting ready to build the big mental health facility uh, that's going to help people really all over the state. But it's going to be uh, really focused right here in South Central Kansas. Uh, Is that going to help? I know that you've been working really hard on these types of projects. But uh, is this something that we need to pay more attention, uh, more attention on in our state legislature? And how is this going to benefit us here in South Central Kansas?
3: Well, the one thing is is that uh, Larnard and Osawatomie, which is our other two uh, mental health hospitals, are not able to handle the capacity. They are at uh, max capacity. Uh, St. Joe, uh, Via Christi campus here in Wichita, they are c- at capacity. So this will open up 100 uh, new beds that should do well for serving uh, south-central Kansas from the east to the west border and take some of the pressure off of the other two hospitals. We also need to get it to a point where we would have some uh, voluntary beds, as we refer to them, but those are for our care and treatment. That's another thing that we're really missing is that we're just trying to get through, you know, some of the individuals that are sitting in our jails that need competency tests and things, and those tests can take months or even years.
1: Wow. It is. It'll be a
3: very big help.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a a big help. It's a work in progress that we're going to see. I'm glad that we're starting to focus on this in Kansas. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of mental health problems right now. Are you seeing any new numbers, any new stats on especially the younger kids, the ones in school K through 12 that are battling with (laughs) depression, anxiety, you know, suicidal tendencies? Are those numbers still going on the on the way up?
3: Well, we have seen an uptick. One of the things that we did here in Kansas eight years ago is we created what we refer to as the MHIP program, which is the, the mental health initiative uh, for K-12 to mental health. And we bring the providers into the school to work with the kids there. Uh, uh, many of the school districts, the buildings will stay open until you know, seven, eight o'clock at night so that families can come and not have to take off during the day when the the family is needed to do a true wraparound for the kids. It also provides the kids and the family with these services 24-7, 365 days a year. Uh, And we have seen a great success. I I, I can't even count on two hands anymore over the last eight years, Andy, the number of lives that we have saved by preventing uh, suicide. Mm. And the improvement that we're seeing in the kids with their graduation rates, with their academics, their attendance, um, you know, things that are important for us to uh, track has just been absolutely tremendous. And this year, the first quarter of the school year, uh, we had served, we were serving 6,000 kids, and that is already above what we served total uh, last year. So it, the need is out there. It's a big need. There's just a lot of pressure on families. Yeah. And, you know, when parents are struggling, their kids are going to struggle because they sense it. So, yeah. you know, we're do, I think we're doing some of the right things on that. And it's just been a very, very successful program. We are hoping this year, because for eight years, Andy, we've been putting that in a proviso in the budget uh, because of turf battles of individuals that thinking they can provide the crisis services sure. that are so important in this 24-7, and they can't. So wow. we'll see. We're, we got it out of the house, and uh, we'll see what happens to it on the floor.
1: I love seeing the progress. I love seeing the fact that it's actually working. We're seeing some results in in some of these programs that you guys are doing. So that's really good news. Uh, State Representative Brenda Landwehr, last question for you as we let you go. But we're going into a major election season. I said that this speech that Governor Kelly made yesterday at the Landon Lecture was nothing more than a launch for her middle-of-the-road pact where she's trying to uh, target a lot of conservatives in the state. And she's trying to bring things more, like you said, to a... You have an R in front of your name to be a Republican because that's how you get elected, but let's vote with Democrats on Democrat issues. What's your take on the elections early on this season for 2024? Are we going to do well this year, do you think?
3: Well, I think that we have a much better possibility than what we may have projected a year ago because I think that the Democrats have started to overplay their hand. People are starting to realize what's going on. Uh, You look at the immigration issue, and people are starting to wake up and say, Hey, wait a minute. The services that I need or my community needs are being handed to illegals that came into this country, and they're getting housing. They're getting, you know, three square meals a day. They're not having to work. They're they're given, you know, Xboxes and, you know, you name it for for entertainment. And it's like, well, what happened to taking care of the citizens that are here, legal, whether they're immigrants or not, but they're legal here? That's who we should be focusing on. And I think that people are getting tired of it. I think the traditional uh, African-American community is, you know, getting kind of fed up with what's happening because now they're being ignored. Um, I think what's gone over there, gone over with, what has occurred over there with Israel, I think, is playing a part. So we've got some traditionally voting blocks for Democrats that I think are saying, hey, wait a minute, you're really not trying to help me. Yeah. And the Republicans are, because we are focused on the economy, we are focused on their taxes, and how can we take and bring expenses down? Because the wages can't match what we're dealing with with this uh, broken economy we have. Inflation is absolutely absurd.
1: What a disaster. We got a lot of things we got to work on. And I think you're right. Republicans have the right platform if we can get our messaging out there the proper way. And I will say that the state Republican Party's probably not going to be a whole lot of help in this election. So it's going to be up to us on the uh, you know the grassroots, boots on the ground kind of mentality to make this happen for this season. It's State Representative Brenda Landwehr. Brenda, it's always so good to talk to you, my friend. I love you to death. Keep up the fight in Topeka. Let's get you back on again real soon.
3: Well, Andy, would you have
1: one more minute on a topic? You bet. Go for it.
3: Okay, we actually heard a bill this last week in the Health and Human Services Committee when one of our members discovered that his that a constituent's daughter had a minor Mm -hmm. had been given birth control pills and the cervical cancer injection without Mm. parental consent. Oh, my. And as we went through the hearing on this bill, we, we realized how much more widespread it is. And, I've at, and then, of course, we had Chris Kobach looking at uh, the school districts that aren't ter- telling parents that their kids are uh, deciding that they're boys instead of girls while they're at school. And I had a reporter ask me, they said, well, where are, well what about the kids' privacy? <laughs> and I said, well, in my world, kids' privacy is when I didn't knock on my kids' door – and they said, Mom, you should have knocked. I have privacy rights. And I said, Yes, you do. I took off their door, and they had to earn it back.
1: That's right.
3: Uh, you know, we're the, we're the parents. And this is getting absolutely ridiculous when school districts are not informing parents of what's going on. And on the transgender issue, the excuse that they're using is that well, parents will abuse their kids they will beat on them. They will reject them. They will mentally do things. Well, guess what? We have things in place to help those kids. It's called the foster care system. So they, that's a right that they do have. They, can, they cannot be abused and neglected by their parents. But we can't keep taking parental rights away. And I was just, just unbelievable that someone would inject a child with something that the parent had no idea was going to happen to their kids.
1: We hear about and stories like that. Happened. Oh, yeah, we hear stories about that every once in a while that, that go through the media. But to, to hear something like that that happens in Kansas blows my mind. I didn't know that that was going on still.
3: Well, no, It it is. It's more widespread than we thought. We're starting to find out that some of the health care providers, uh, because of an attorney general's opinion, not actually because, not the current attorney general, it's an older opinion, Yeah. But it's we're operating under that versus statutes, and so it's given some rights to healthcare professionals that can, you know, basically say, well, this here is a competent minor, so I'm going to allow this to ha- this treatment to happen, and the parents don't have to be notified. So that's I think you're going to hear a lot more about that. We heard the bill last week; it needs uh, uh, some more work for us to find out exactly what is occurring out there. So we're going to work on that uh, after we uh, do what we call our turnaround, which is the House stuff going to the Senate and vice versa. But I think that's going to be a major bill because uh, parents should not be losing their right. And schools can't keep saying, hey, we want parents to be more involved. But then we'll pick and choose when we want parents to be more involved, Andy. That is absolutely wrong. It's also why school districts have lost enrollment. Yeah.
1: That blows my mind. And then they're
3: screaming, yeah, well, then they're screaming that, well, we cut their funding. No, you lost enrollment. That's why your funding is down. (laughs) It's not because the legislature cut it. Maybe if you actually functioned about kids and not a system, but kids, then maybe we would do more, you know, do better in our schools. But, you know, we've still got kids that can't read and write at grade level, Andy, at large numbers. And they just continue to ignore
1: it. They can't read and so. write at grade level, and like you said, if we're having injections into our kids that we don't even know about as parents, yeah, I'm going to take my kid out of school as well. Which is uh, it's, it's mind blowing, mind blowing, and infuriating that we would see something like that. Uh, last question for you, with on that, we got just about a minute before our top of the hour hard break that we have to wrap up. But uh, if you pass that bill, hopefully we can get that done. Is that again something that Governor Kelly will actually sign? Or do you think she'd veto something like that too?
3: Well, I think she'll try to veto it, so we're hoping that uh, we can get the, the numbers to override her because that's the, the argument that we heard in the committee, Andy, was just absolutely appalling. It's like, well, but these kids need this. Like, no, they need their parents. That's what they need. What and they parental mean. rights should not continue to be destroyed.
1: Wow. Wow, so we're gonna we're gonna
3: fight for
1: that. I am I am so glad you are. I I will say that uh, my nine year old daughter, who's in fourth grade, if she came home and said that she got a shot of something and we were not aware of that, there's gonna be a raging papa bear around because that's not gonna be acceptable. That's that's not okay. Let's get this one done. Let's make sure that this is one of the top priority bills. I'm so glad you guys are working on this. Ah, drives me nuts. It's State Representative Brenda Landwehr. (laughs) Yeah, I appreciate it. Keep up this fight, Brenda. Let's get you back on and talk some more about that one again soon.
3: All right, thank you Andy
1: and have a great day. You as well. Always a pleasure. State representative Brenda Landwehr from the Wichita area. We always love having her on the show. There it is. An issue we weren't even aware. Of. I wasn't even aware that this was going on the fact that you All right, I got to go to a break before we go to a radio edited word. Can we do that? That's, that's we I'm did proud, it. Yeah. We I'll be nice on the radio, I promise. Right around the corner, hour number two, we'll come back. We have Dalton Glasscock, city council member for the city of Wichita, at the bottom of the hour, the Kansas State Rifle Association, also joining us to talk about gun regulation, the constitutional amendment push, and more. Coming up, it's hour number two of Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talk, or KQAM. Stay here.
0: Truly unfiltered. Broadcasting live from West Wichita in the KQAM studios. It's time for your weekend kickstart with Wichita's number one conservative talk radio host. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier.
1: Oh, hey, how's it going? Welcome into it. Yeah, hour number two, Kansas Talk, Wichita's big talker, KQAM. So great to have you with us here, 1480 on the AM dial, 99.7 HD4 on the fm dial if you want to listen on the smart radio you can listen to us in high definition high quality radio broadcasting plus our friends out in garden city kansas on kiul the big talker out there as well so wonderful to have you with us happy saturday it's going to be a little bit warmer the cold front's apparently done global warming happening the next few days across kansas (laughs) by next week we're going to get up into the 60s and 70s like all week long thank you february we appreciate that three one six seven two one eight two five five on the maximum outdoor equipment hotlines. I want to hear from you today on all the issues that we've talked about. Governor Kelly doing her Landon lecture at K State yesterday, yesterday afternoon, talking about working across the aisle. Happy go lucky. If we could just have lack of partisanship and we could just do things, you know, our way. If you just come on board with our way, then we could totally have just harmonious. Ways If you just do what we want to do, we don't need to find common ground or find happy media. You just need to do what we want you to do. And therefore, we would see middle of the road, harmonious movements. That's kind of what we're seeing from the Governor Kelly administration and Democrats abroad, really, just in the state of Kansas and nationwide. Fascinating stuff. Thanks again to Brenda Lindbergh coming on the program. I was not aware of that bill or the case of... Uh, kids being vaccinated or getting shots or getting type of medications or hormone blockers or whatever. We've, we hear about these things, and we're like, yeah, that can't happen in Kansas. It's Kansas, for crying out loud. No, 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 seems to be happening. So I'm glad they're working on a bill we'll get her on or, or somebody else on as well to talk about that bill as it moves closer to hopefully getting to the governor's desk to prevent doctors and the schools from just injecting our kids with things without parental consent. Blows my mind. Oh, that's even allowed. What about the privacy of the children? Really? They're kids. They don't get to run their entire life. I, I tell Little Voice a Reason. She's nine. She's in fourth grade. And I tell her because she wants a phone. All of her friends have a phone. And I have not gotten her a phone yet. And I will. She's nine years old. What the hell does she need a phone for? Does not need a phone. I'm not giving her a phone. And she wants one because her friends have one. And I say, when you start working in high school and start making some money, then you can afford a phone. Or when you start, or maybe when you're in high school and you start doing more activities, I'll get you a phone, but it's going to be limited text messages, and it's going to be the bare minimum plan. And if you want more stuff, then you can pay for it. Your privacy means that when you are off on your own doing your own thing, then you can do whatever you want to with your own privacy, and no one's uh, controlling you. But at the same time, when you're in this house, then you're on mom and dad's rules, and the privacy is whether you get to keep the door on your bedroom or not because of how you're acting, and no, sorry, you don't get free reign to do whatever you want to, which is what apparently the media and the left side of the aisle thinks is acceptable in today's times. Well, they feel this way. I don't care how they feel. They're a child. They don't know what they want. They still think they're going to be astronauts and ballet dancers when they grow up, which my daughter is in ballet, and I hope to God that she becomes an astronaut or a ballet dancer because the sky is the limit, but that's what they want to be right now. They want to. I remember as a kid, I wanted to be at uh, my cousin. Actually, he was the one that wanted to be a NASCAR driver and a farmer, and you know what? Obviously, didn't happen. But good for you. The sky's the limit. But. Let's put things into perspective here on how you actually can achieve those jobs or, you know, those are just pipe dreams of children who want to still ride unicorns across the sky. And if you want to do that, then you need to take a lot of melatonin to get some of those dreams going in your sleep. Just throwing that out there. All right, bottom of the hour, we have uh, Dalton Glasscock, city council member for the city of Wichita. We'll have him on to get some city updates on what's going on. But obviously the second amendment gun issues back in the news recently after the shooting that happened with the Kansas city chiefs and their parade up in Kansas city a few days ago, that investigation still ongoing. And of course what happens from the other side of the aisle, we hear the, Bi- the Biden administration, even governor Kelly during her speech yesterday, Democrats saying, well, it's time for us to do those common sense gun reforms. Time for us to start taking those guns away because how in the world could we have a shooting in a city Oh, yeah, that all the way, by the way, has gun uh, restrictions already within city limits. And somehow, miraculously, they were able to get a gun in those city limits during a parade and have a shooting where at least one individual dead, uh, like 22 injured. And thankfully, most of the children that were injured during that incident are recovering and will recover. To talk about some of that, plus what's going on here in the state, because we are working on the pro-Second Amendment issues, making us a safer state because of well-trained, well-understood firearm owners across the state of kansas as you know being on the board with this great organization the kansas state rifle association heavily involved in what's going on in our legislature and what's happening so to talk about some of that and more here on the program he's the executive director for the kansas state rifle association happy to have back on the program mr mariah day mariah what's going on brother how you doing
4: hey andy appreciate you having me on
1: yeah yeah so good to chat with you and uh welcome aboard I am. I'm Appreciate sure it. you've seen all of these statements from the Biden admin, from Governor Kelly, all of these put, even Jerry Moran, unfortunately, was like, oh, we just need to like curb gun crime and violence and crime rates and stuff, uh, which was kind of a very generalized kind of statement on this issue. But of course, mm-hmm. gun control back on the main front stage, isn't it?
4: It seems like it always is after a, a tragedy, you know, and it's unfortunate because it takes the, you know, it takes the focus off of. Uh, the folks that are you know suffering in these situations. Um, and it's it's really unfortunate because it takes the focus off of that and puts it on um, whatever agenda the left is trying to to accomplish here. Um, and unfortunately, you know they'll they'll use any uh, opportunity, any excuse to push uh, this type of agenda. Um, the The sad thing is, uh, this agenda they're trying to push would limit uh, the ability of law abiding uh, responsible uh, individuals to defend themselves. Um, while doing absolutely nothing to prevent uh, violent criminals from, uh, you know, carrying out their uh, violent agenda, so it's really unfortunate. Um, it's it's really sad to see politicians taking advantage of a tragedy uh, to try to limit the rights of of folks to be able to defend themselves. Um, and obviously, we're going to keep fighting back.
1: Yeah. Obviously, I mean, this happened in Kansas City. So, kind of a unique take on this one because people in the area, if they're in Kansas City, they might go for this type of agenda. But it happened, you know, obviously with a state of Kansas and a state of Missouri, both states relatively favorable to the Second Amendment. So, outside of maybe those elected officials within city limits of Kansas City, that agenda is not going to go very far on a statewide level, though, is it?
4: That's correct. And I've, you know, seen some headlines, you know, thankfully, uh, seeing that. Um, the Missouri legislature, for instance, is pushing back against you know, efforts to institute any type of gun control. Um, you know, it's, it's good to see legislators uh, actually you know, taking a step back and looking at things more logically uh, rather than having a knee-jerk reaction to a situation um, and trying to institute something that would do the exact opposite of, uh, of what needs to happen. You know, obviously, uh, what needs to happen uh, in situations um, is to, you know, to, to prosecute uh, effectively prosecute uh those who those criminal uh elements who you know are committing these crimes uh, but you know at the same time we need to allow law-abiding responsible firearm owners uh, to defend themselves and their families um because you know uh this this situation you know as you said um details are still coming out you know there's an active investigation underway and I you know don't want to comment on any of that um but you know, what we did see is, you know, you have upwards of 900 uh, law enforcement officers, you know, many very well-trained um, heroes uh, in uniforms who, you know, are willing and, and you know, actively uh, risking their lives every single day uh, for the people around them. Um, and these folks you know, ran in immediately, you know, to try to you know, head off the situation uh, and protect as many lives as possible. Uh, but it's just not even possible with, you know, upwards of nine hundred officers, you know, close to the close to that proximity, um, you know, to respond immediately to the point where, you know, there were no injuries or casualties. Um and so, you know, it's just impossible uh to rely on someone else for your own self defense hundred percent of the time. And so you kinda have to take personal responsibility for that and realize, you know, we do live in a society that, you know, there are dangers around us. Um and you know, you have to take that personal responsibility and say, "Hey, I'm going to um, defend myself and my loved ones uh, as much as I'm able to."
1: Yeah, what a concept! And we kind of saw that with the shooting in Kansas City, with the two into two or three individuals that ended up tackling the shooters, even though they didn't have firearms, they they took the initiative and did that, or else things could have ended a lot worse. We look at the case that uh, the shooting from Joel Olstein's. Church down in Texas just a couple of weeks ago as well, where they weren't able to actually harm anybody because the security that had firearms were able to shoot them and take the bad guy out before any damage was done. Right. Prime example of good guys stopping bad guys with guns. What a concept, right?
4: Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. It happens way more than a lot of folks realize. I think I mean, there's some statistics out there that you know show that uh, the the number of uh, defensive Firearm uses, whether a firearm was actually fired or not in the situation, um, it far outweighs uh, the number of um, offensive uses. You know, where a, a criminal, for instance, is, is using it to, to injure someone. So it's it's just ridiculous the um, the move to limit um, access and uh, training for firearms uh, when you know there are so many examples of effective uh, defensive uses of firearms.
1: Yeah, and of course, like you said, we don't hear about a lot of these while they happen more often than we're aware of because the media doesn't like to talk about them because that reinforces the agenda of maybe I should actually take matters in my hands and actually protect myself. When that time unfortunately Mm -hmm. may arrive in our own uh, personal life, let's talk about some issues going on in the state of Kansas. Here, obviously, we've talked to some of the legislators uh, with Stephen Owens and Rebecca Schmoy, state representatives that have put up the constitutional amendment in the state legislature to help um, uh, strengthen our Second Amendment in the state. Have you heard any movement where that's going, and uh, how optimistic are we that that's going to happen on the ballot this year? Do you think? Sure. Yeah.
4: It's you know, and I've I've mentioned this to others others before um, that. You know, I gave up a long time ago on, you know, uh, basically trying to figure out what the percentage likelihood of something passing through the legislature is because you know, that's pretty much an impossible, <laughs> impossible thing to predict. Um, but you know, obviously we're still working really hard on this issue. We've got the uh, house concurrent resolution, which is fifty-twenty 20 uh, in the house. They has 72 co-sponsors. I'm very thankful for all of those legislators who stepped up uh, to take a leadership role in that. Um, so that's obviously a very good. You know, number uh, to, to lead with on that. Um, you know, we've already had the hearing in-house committee um, in the Senate, uh, SDR 1618 in the Senate, um, that currently has 23 co-sponsors. It was just introduced uh, by uh, Senator J.R. Clave uh, on our behalf and uh, has the same language as the House version. So we're working it you know, simultaneously in both chambers. Um, looking forward to getting a hearing on that and, you know, seeing where this goes um, in the legislature. Uh, You know, obviously the biggest hurdle is, you know, just getting legislators to to actively take a stand on this uh, and push this through uh, to protect the rights of of Kansas firearm owners. Um, And, you know, obviously that may be a little challenging at a time when there's a tragedy that the other side is trying to take advantage of, Uh, but we hope that legislators have enough backbone to do it. Uh, If we can get it to the ballot, I am extremely confident we can get it passed on the ballot uh, because obviously Kansas uh, voters... Are very, very much in favor of uh, this kind of this kind of constitutional amendment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Even though it may not be the most hot topic for the pro gun uh, agenda right now, because of the shooting. At the same time, it is an election season, and a lot of those Republican legislators in topeka are very self-conscious of their rating with the national rifle association and with us with the candace rifle association so That's they true. you know it's a, it's an election year so even if they would be usually waffling on an issue like this after an incident like that at the same time they want to make sure they get that uh, rating and endorsement from uh, from us going into elections which is kind of hilarious but let's talk about the organization for yeah. a moment itself if people want to become members i know that, that obviously they can but even outside of that how is was the Gatson flag license plate going for us? Because I know that that started just about a year or so ago. It sounds like it's going well, but I got to tell you driving down the street all over the state of Kansas, I'm seeing more and more people having this don't tread on me Gatson flag on their car.
4: Oh, it's amazing. I, I personally have very much enjoying, you know, seeing those on the roads, you know, as we, as we drive down the road, you know, here in Kansas, um, those Gatson plates have been an enormous thing for our organization. You know, I think there's a lot of Kansans who's, really enjoy, you know, having that uh, message of freedom on the, the back of their car. Um, it's really cool to watch, you know, folks that have no idea what the Kansas State Rifle Association is, you know, they don't realize we've existed since 1928. They don't know that we're the ones in Topeka day in and day out fighting for the Second Amendment. Uh, you know, there's other organizations that have bigger names that uh, people you know know about more, you know, they have a bigger presence. Uh, across social media or, you know, whatever, um, you know, they end up being the bad guys on media (laughs) a lot of times. Uh, but, you know, we're the ones, you know, they're fighting day in and day out. And, um, you know, people don't necessarily even know we we exist as an organization, but when they see that gas and flag, you know, don't tread on me, bright Yellow license plate. Um, they're like, you know, that's, that's my message of freedom. You know, that's something that I want to display on my vehicle. And it's really cool uh, just to see how popular those have been um in 2023 uh, we saw uh 3748 i believe is the number of plates sold or renewed uh in 2023 which is an absolutely amazing number yeah. uh you know it's only been around since you know early 2022 so uh, a lot of folks hadn't even seen it until 2023 once they saw it you know they they kind of snapped them up and uh it's just they've been flying off the shelves like hotcakes uh, it's, it's really cool because you know, not only do they get to promote that message of freedom, but uh, every plate sold helps uh, fund the Kansas State Rifle Association's efforts. Um, you know, the KSRA gets uh, twenty-five dollars from every plate sold, uh, so that helps us, just, you know, keep our doors open. You know, promote firearm training and responsibility. It helps us, um, you know, just promote a culture of firearm safety uh, in our state, and you know, just overall increase our firearm culture here. Um, which is an absolutely amazing
1: thing. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, I love it. And especially with the license plate debacle that we had just a few months ago with our ridiculous uh, generic (laughs) ones that we're going to see in the state, I think a lot of people are going to be looking for alternatives. Like you said, it's a great message that we can send with it, and it helps the organization with the Kansas State Rifle Association. For those, whether they're members or not, you can support the organization that helps support uh, issues and things going on in Topeka, getting kids active, doing some training, getting you self-aware on stuff that's going on with the Second Amendment issues across the state of Kansas. You can find more information on all that at KansasRifle.org. We do have our a little bit of a tease. We do have our annual convention coming up here in a few months as well. Not a lot of details coming out yet. We'll have some more on that soon. But we're out of time, my friend. It's Mariah Day, Executive Director for the Kansas State Rifle Association. Keep up this fight, brother. Let's keep doing this. It's going to be a a great year. I am optimistic about it, and I'm glad we're focused on on some two-way issues. Let's do it again soon.
4: Sounds great. Appreciate it, Andy. Have a great
1: day. Hey, always a pleasure. There it is. Executive Director for the Kansas State Rifle Association, Mariah Day. Again, kansasrifle.org. If you want more information to become a member, see some of the events going on, or when you renew your license plate, just ask for that Gatson flag, that don't tread on me license plate in the state of Kansas. let you express yourself a little bit. And allows the Kansas State Rifle Association have some great opportunity to uh, support things going on in the state. Gotta take a break. Right more right around the corner here on Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. 28 minutes past the hour. Thanks again to Mariah Day coming on the program. KSRA, CandaceRifle.org is the website. If you want some information on that to become a member, I highly recommend you do. It's more effective than being part of the NRA, which is important. Not saying it's not. I know they're going through their cleaning house and uh, reset button with all the shenanigans that's been going on there. Not defending them at all, but you have a better impact by supporting the local organization fighting for things at your statewide and local level, CandisRifle.org. Give a little plug there. I want to tell you about my friends over at Napoleon Appliance Repair. They helped out immensely going into Thanksgiving break. Our dishwasher went kaput. It just died. Didn't want to do anything anymore. Actually, it broke, and I'm not going to tell you that story because then I might get in trouble at home. So (laughs) nonetheless, it broke. So Napoleon Appliance Repair, they were amazing. They came up, they got it fixed, boom, it was done, and it's been running smooth ever since. Do the preventative maintenance, or if any of your appliances go down, dishwasher, washer or dryer, refrigerator, uh, it doesn't matter. Any of your appliances, they can handle these things. They can take care of it. Go and check them out. They've been voted best of two years in a row for the city of Wichita for Appliance Repair. Check them out. 316 409 1525. 316 409 1525 or follow them on their Facebook at Napoleon Appliance Repair, LLC. You can check them out and see what they're doing. Get the help. Do the preventative maintenance, or if something goes down from the new age stuff with the computers telling you you're out of carrots in your fridge, or the old school stuff that's reliable, doesn't really matter. Go and check them out, Napoleon Appliance Repair. We appreciate them very, very much. When we come back, right around the corner, we have Dalton Glasscock, City Council Member for the City of Wichita. We'll get a city update along with some other issues as we go into the home stretch here. Last half hour of the program, it's Kansas Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Good Saturday morning to you. Let's get this thing into gear.
0: It's time to tell him he's wrong at 316-721 talk. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. How dare you? How dare
1: you think that we could be wrong in this program? How dare you assume that we're in the wrong? Welcome back into the program on the home stretch here last half hour. Of the weekend with Michael Brown right around the corner on KQM, also our friends out on KIUL. As we are simulcasting out there this morning as well, like we do every single weekend. So wonderful to have you with us on Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Covered a lot of ground today. We've had State Representative Brenda Landwehr. We've had Mariah Day, Kansas State Rifle Association. Just chatted with them about some Second Amendment issues. And, of course, the Governor's Landon Lecture at Kansas State University yesterday afternoon. That was, I think, uh, kind of entertaining. That We need to work across the aisle, a.k.a. do her bidding and do her agenda that way that we can be working together. And then when Democrats try to get on her side, then of course she has to berate them like the Democrats oh so do. Gotta step in line, man. But we can't be, you know, so partisan. What a world do we live in. Let's talk about it, bring it back down to the home frontier, here, and we talk about some citywide issues, which I have to admit, this is the first time that we've ever used this sounder outside of former Wichita City Council member Brian Fry, but he's not there anymore. So we have to keep the legacy going, don't we? On the line with us, talk about some of those excited to have on here, newly elected and newly sworn in uh, city council member for the city of Wichita, the man himself, Dalton Glasscock. Dalton, what's going on, brother?
5: Andy, I can always count on you to have some of the best music, so (laughs) I appreciate joining you this morning. It's a good way to wake up.
1: Oh, it's so great to have you on the program. First off, congrats. I'm glad that you're in there now. How's the uh, process been for the last month or so getting settled into the seat?
5: incredibly hectic. I think every day I feel like I've been in school, uh, just trying to learn the system, try to understand um, and talk to individuals. And so I also realized that about every day I walk in, not to control my schedule. So I uh, have a new surprise of what I'm doing every day. Uh, But I've really enjoyed the experience so far.
1: Yeah, you guys have really hit the ground running hard, especially with a new mayor as well, with Lily Wu. And uh, you guys have been really busy all across the board. I know the last week or so, uh, all of you headed up to Topeka, work on some of your a state legislative agenda for the city. Talk about some of the priorities that you guys have for this year and what you'd like to see in your workings with the uh, legislature for the year.
5: Yeah, the number one priority of the city in terms of what we're lobbying the legislator for um, is funding for the multi-agency center. So this is a um, center uh, for homeless individuals to make sure that we're getting people off the streets. It shouldn't be normal in our community for anybody to be on the streets. It's not good for the person living on the streets, and it's also not good for our community. So how can we make sure that we're able to enforce our camping ordinances and also provide shelter space for individuals, making sure that we're not just putting them in bed, but also getting the resources they need to get off the streets permanently um, and into stable housing and into uh, stable living?
1: Yeah. That's a big one. I know homelessness has been growing. Uh, I know that was a big talking point really on the campaign trail for Lily as well with what she wanted to what she wanted to focus on. So what is the plan? What would we like to see with some new with some new centers, some new resources? Is it sustainable in the city and uh, are we going to see a decrease in homelessness as opposed to just trying to take care of who's on the streets right now?
5: Yeah, I mean, I think we have to take action. So I think, you know, multi-agency center and getting people off the streets and providing them shelter space is a number one priority. To make sure that we're able to enforce our camping ordinance. The Supreme Court is actually hearing uh, this summer more about camping ordinances and what cities are allowed to do, what cities are not allowed to do. So that'll give some good direction uh, for us to be able to follow. But simply, we have to enforce the laws that we have on the books as well. Um, and one thing that is a priority of mine is to in house our uh, current city camp up or clean up. Right now, we uh, export that to a third party. And so even when our homeless outreach team puts a notice on a campsite, we have allowed a contractor, you know, weeks to be able to go and clean up a campsite. I believe we need to in-house that to make sure that we're cleaning up campsites quicker to make sure that we're making our community cleaner and safer as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We have to keep a a tidy city. I don't want to see us go down the road, and I know that we're a smaller city-ish compared to some of these major ones that we're seeing the issues, but it hasn't uh, left us out. We've definitely seen some of the similarities of what we've seen when it comes to the homeless population that we've seen in some of these major metropolitan areas across the nation, haven't we?
5: We have, and we just have to enforce our laws in the book. You know, we have a you know affordable housing crisis in our community. We need more housing capacity, but this comes down to a drug and mental health issue as well. Um, and we need to make sure that we're addressing that. Uh, we have an incredible homeless outreach team. We have four individuals that are really addressing the entire homeless population, um, providing them more resources to make sure that. Uh, we're getting people off the streets. We're having conversations with these individuals. And again, we're also enforcing our
1: laws. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, we're talking with Don Glasscock, city council member here for the city of Wichita. As we look at uh, crime rates, for example, are we seeing an increase in crime here as well because of the homeless population uh, like we've seen in other places, too?
5: I wouldn't say I have never I haven't seen any data reflecting that right now. Um, uh, and so I would have to get back to you on that. But I haven't been given any data that we have increased in crime sure. uh, because of the population.
1: That's good news. That is good news. Now, how much I know this is more of a state and county issue with the building in the mental health facility. We talked with Brenda Landwehr about that uh, last hour. But is that something that the city would work with as well to to give resources, aid resources or at least to assist in any way when this mental health facility is going to be built here in the area?
5: You know, we want to be good partners, um, but we recognize that the county mental health hospital is a county and state issue, uh, but we will continue to be good partners of the city and make sure that we're supportive with what available resources they need. But I also believe that each uh, level of government has their own jurisdiction, and yeah. so we just want to be good partners and allow their their level of uh, government. To have the authority and uh, control to be able to do what they need to do
1: good yeah and it sounds like the relationship between you guys and the county has been doing uh, very well here for the last couple months as well and it's growing and will continue to grow as well so i am excited about that obviously the big news that made national news this past couple of weeks was the stealing of the jackie robinson statue And uh, at first, of course, we all turned to, well, it was a racist individual who was trying to steal it because they didn't like Jackie Robinson being a black ball player. Uh, And then we come to find out after the arrest of them, thankfully, with our Wichita City Police Department, that the individual, it wasn't race related, but it was just someone trying to steal metal, which... Uh, man, I tell you what, you're in a desperate state if you're still in major statues like that, just trying to melt it down for the metal. But I'm glad that we're at least resolving this issue. And it sounds like things are almost getting back to normal and that we may see a new statue in its place.
5: Yeah, it's uh, i an mean, insane and sad story. Um, and I think what the takeaway from this is, if you commit a crime in Wichita, we will find you. We will be tough on crime. And we will make sure to track you down. Um, And I think that's mostly that's coming from the mayor and council office. That's coming from the Wichita Police Department. And we will put all available resources to catch criminals in our community. They should have no safe harbor here.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. Talk about the expansion of some of these programs and some of the services that we have in the city. I know that there's a new fire station being built here soon, isn't there?
5: Yeah, I'm most excited about it. When I was out door knocking, I knocked on about 4,000 doors during the campaign. And the number one issue I heard was fire and public safety. Um, especially in uh, southwest Wichita. And so I'm proud to say that we've done the first step in acquiring land for a new fire station just right uh, down the road from you on Pawnee and Maze. And so that should be uh, hopefully breaking ground in the spring of 2025, and hopefully we'll have a fully equipped fire station in fall of 2025. You know, right now that's one of the least underserved areas when it comes to fire and public safety. The area is just massive when you include the area around the airport, Bonnie Prairie Park, you have a lot of land capacity. And for, you know, fire station uh, will be so critical in response times in that area to make sure that we're serving one of the fastest and densest uh, growing areas of our community very well.
1: Yeah. Are there plans or at least talks of doing even more around the area as uh, we move forward too?
5: There are. Um, and we have to address it. the last time the city built a fire station was 2008. Andy, I was in middle school <laughs> in 2008, and I'm now on the city council. And so when we need to address these issues, public safety is the first priority of local government, and we have to make sure that when we're looking at, you know, the budget process moving forward this year, that public safety is what we're spending a majority of our resources on. I mean, that's the number one issue people care about, and that's our number one charge as a city council.
1: Yeah. On that same front, I know we went into the holidays talking about uh, contract negotiations for the Wichita Police Department and, uh, you know, obviously the big... Uh, issue that came up about like the the bonuses that were being paid out for law enforcement, and we're still understaffed and and uh, have a shortage of law enforcement in the area. Has that still been a main priority? Are we still working on that? And do you think that's getting better?
5: I do think it's getting better, but we still need more officers. So if you're listening to this and you have any interest, what you can do is you can do a ride along. Um, I would encourage everybody to do a ride along if you have any interest in joining law enforcement. Uh, during the campaign, I did a ride-along, and I almost dropped out and uh, joined the police department because I enjoyed the experience so much. Mm. Um, and so we're still short uh, officers. I do feel um, increasing the pay was the first step getting there.
4: Um,
5: there. Also, we just have to have a morale shift and make sure that, you know, that our law enforcement knows that they have a mayor and city council that support law enforcement. And leadership saying that regularly is paramount to also making sure that our officers feel respected while they're fi- fighting and serving for us.
1: Amen to that, yeah. Uh, last couple of things for you here. We're talking with Dalton Glasscock, city council member here for the city of Wichita. Some of the policy things you guys have been working on, this was a conversation that happened last year during the campaign, is a kind of resume conversation a little bit as well. But uh, is there any movement or any changes that we've heard when it comes to campaign finance? Ordinances because I know for a while there's a push of like you can't you you can only cap the amount that you can actually donate to a campaign in the area, make it more synced up with like what the state's doing. Uh, So, where are we on this? Is it back to that? Has that been reversed? Uh, what's been changing here?
5: We're in the process of it. So, one of the first things I did actually, I think it was the first meeting uh, once I joined the council was a move to reverse uh, the quote unquote emergency ordinance passed by the previous council. Um, I'm a free speech purist, um, and I also believe. That this is the way to restore transparency and accountability in campaign finance. And so where we are in the process, it's currently heard by DABS. It comes back before the council, I believe on March 6th, um, to see if we can reverse back to what it was previously.
4: Um, and
5: what it was previously was a reflection of state law. Um, I, either, I offered one amendment as well, that uh, even if a business LLC donates, they have to list their managing partner. Uh, to provide more transparency and accountability as well. The businesses still have the First Amendment right to donate, but we should also know who in the business is also directing the donation as well. I think that's a compromise solution that also provides more accountability and transparency, puts no burden on the business and only a burden on the candidate to make sure that they're being transparent to the voters as
1: well. Yeah, I know you're coming off your big election, obviously, for the city council. But last question for you, now that we go into a major election for 2024 and uh, being the former chair of the Cedric County Republican Party, seeing the state of the Republican Party, the state Republican Party, uh, the candidates that were going into the national driving fiasco that we're watching, it's kind of a weird year. Do you have any speculation on what we could see around this area come this year uh, for the elections in November?
5: Oh, gosh, and you asked me the most <laughs> consistent question at the end. We're doing so good. Um, I won't give a PC answer. Uh, I'm disappointed in the direction the state Republican Party headed. Yeah. Um I think we need, need new leadership there, and I've seen the book. Uh, they aren't fundraising. They aren't doing the job of the state party, what the state party supposed to do. Um, I think everybody's uh, jaded at the national level, and that's why I care about the local level, because people can have a direct impact on local politics and local governance. They can go to City Hall. They can be with me every day. I have less trust in state government, our state Republican Party, the national government, our national Republican Party. And I think we need change. I think people are tired of the same um, the same old choices. I think people uh, believe that we need uh, new, fresh perspectives. And I think we just need people to work and do the job that they're elected to do. I don't see that happening at both the state and national level right
1: now. Yeah, I I agree. And I think the state level is such shambles right now that I think it's it reinforces the idea that we're going to have to if we're going to have a successful election this year, it's going to be done with the grassroots, the boots on the ground. And at this local level with individuals just doing it themselves, showing up to vote, getting out that vote, talking to people and doing it because we, we can't really rely on the RNC or the state party right now, I don't think
5: not so if anybody cares about the upcoming election do not rely on the state party do not (laughs) rely on the RNC. you have to gather and door knock. you have to gather and talk to people and you have to go out there and make it your civic priority to go and talk to friends and family
1: make it happen brother i love it Stoughton glascock city council member for the city of wichita always good keep up this fight let's get you back on and do another update with you here real soon my friend Hey, as long as you keep good music, I'll join you again. Hey, there we go. We'll keep that going. We'll keep the exciting music going. I love it. It's Dalton Glasgow City Council Member for the City of Wichita. Got to take a break. One more segment around the corner re we up today for a Saturday. Candace Talk, Wichita's Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. I have Again, with the AARP, whether it's the watch Network, retirement calculator, getting involved in the community, make sure to check them out online. AARP.org/slash KS for the state of Kansas. Also, find them and follow them on their social media as well. Glenda's on the line with us today. Glenda, how are you?
6: I'm doing well, Andy. And you?
1: Doing good. Always great to chat with you. So much going on here for the new year. As uh, we kick off 2024 and with the Fraud Watch Network, some of the new scams that are coming out, technology taking things to another level as there's a lot of scams going on right now. What's the latest that you've heard?
6: Well, the latest we've heard is in one of the uh, online romance scams. And we know that it, they have actually been around and wreaking havoc for years. But um, in a uh, this particular one, criminal enterprises are playing the long game with target scams that will help them to compound their lo- their losses by engaging them in what's called crypto investment scheme. And um, this is how it works, Andy.
1: Wow. Uh, it's very concerning. I know yeah. we're, we're just coming off of Valentine's Day, so people are in that sweetheart type of mindset right now. So there's a lot of vulnerable people that could be victim to this.
6: Yes. And this is called an errant text. And um, the people sending these texts, you might wonder, well, they are enslaved and being forced to do it. And here's how it works. If you receive a text you think was sent in error, uh, maybe it's a pet owner trying to reach the vet or someone texting you about dinner to say it's like dinner's still on for tonight. And so just being polite, you say, oh, I didn't um, make that text, and so you send it to the wrong uh, recipient. But that's really all it takes for one of these error in to begin a conversation with you that sparks a friendship or a love interest. That could become a trusted relationship, which then opens the door for learning how to invest in cryptocurrency.
1: Interesting. This almost seems like the female tactic when they accidentally spill their coffee on you to try and introduce themselves. But uh, with more malicious intent <laughs> here on the scams.
6: More malicious, more malicious intent. Romance scams have become one of the top drivers of cryptocurrency fraud. Um, and this fraud is being uh, really luring the frontline workers with fake employment offers and really enslaving them to ensnare um, those, these target schemes into the system. So it's the latest mode, uh, and it real, really plays out on social media and all of the dating sites and apps. So what our, our uh, listeners should do, Andy, what we really want them to do, is that if you get a text like this or it's suspicious, don't click on it. Remember, you can report it by forwarding it to that 7726 number, and that takes a little process, but really follow through it. And then also know that anything that's simple and easy like that comes in email or text that you are about to spot a scam and you can stop that scam.
1: Yeah, it's great stuff, great information, and especially, like you said, with the romance scams that are big this time of year and really all year long, it is unfortunate, uh, but they're getting more clever by just introducing themselves slyly to you and trying to make that bond Uh, with you. It's very scary. And you can, of course, as as you mentioned, reach out to the Fraud Watch Network, let people know about it and warn others about what's going on. We got just about a minute left here, Glenda, but talk about what else is going on with the AARP now that we're going into a little bit warmer weather and uh, the early spring that we're seeing here in Kansas.
6: Yes, yes, yes. We're still having our online activities, but we will very soon be out and about uh, with our activities in the communities, but we're still engaged on the line online on our facebook and our um our absolutely on our youtube page so we want everyone to really reach out and join us
1: yeah great information aarp.org slash ks for the state of kansas find them and follow them on uh their, plus their social media as well glenda we always appreciate it as always make sure to check in with the fraud watch network let's check in again here real soon Okay, thanks so much. There it is. That's the AARP. We always do our weekly check-in with them. Man, we're out of time. How the time flies right on by. Did get an email. I want to try and read real briefly uh, to you here as we talked about some of the push for the gun control after that shooting that happened up in Kansas City earlier in the week. But listening to your show Saturday morning, had a couple of thoughts. The foolishness about the gun safety laws. No laws would have stopped what happened. At least two or possibly three complete and total violations of the law that occurred during that event. There's no way to tell. But it sounds like that uh, there could have been some alterations of the firearm, but no law or 800 armed force police officers would have been able to stop what happened with that turnaround. You're absolutely right. It was in city limits. They already have gun regulations in that area. There's nothing that can be no other laws that can stop those types of gun violence from happening. What we have to do is we have to stop it. Thank God we had people that tackled the shooters, even though they didn't have firearms. We need more people that are trained, that are aware and that are conscious about it and actually carry firearms to protect themselves and the people around them as well. And guess what? We'll see shootings and public events kind of stop pretty dramatically if we start doing more of that. We're back at it next weekend for Candace Talk from 9 to 11. Make sure to tune in there. Until then, have a great weekend. See the warmer weather upon us here across the Mid-America region. Until then, we'll see you on the radio. Have a great weekend. It's Candace Talk, Winchstown's Big Talk, or KQAM.